Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. Today we'll start the show with Trish covering the latest developments in world news and giving us the latest updates on the current attempted U.S. coup in Venezuela and the U.S.-funded wars in the Middle East and Syria. And next we'll cover the latest news out of the Vatican and the recent reports on the sexual abuse of children in the Protestant religion. And we'll also discuss the methods of genocide taking place across the United States right now starting with the new abortion law in New York that allows babies to be murdered right up to the time of birth, and the forced vaccination of children across the country. So I'll bring Trish on now, and we'll start the show with the most important world news. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. It's great to be back with you and talking about these issues. Um, You know, in the world news, Venezuela is very much on the forefront, and it is of course, getting all kinds of distorted attention from the press and all of the narratives we're hearing out of the White House are fabricated. And while all of this attention is being given to the supposed uprising in Venezuela, uh, the protests are raging and the Yellow Vest protests are raging in France, Haiti, Ireland, Spain, uh, Italy, yet we hear nothing about those. And, you know, f- many people are still very much in the dark, especially Americans, about you know, what's really going on in Venezuela. And if you just simply look at the pattern that the U.S. has used with its invasions of Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, and what they're trying to do in Iran is they enact these draconian sanctions. They're war crimes. They're economic sanctions designed specifically to hurt the populace in the hopes that it will cause a an organic uprising. And th- this is, it's unethical, it's illegal, and yet the U.S. manages to successfully portray these attempt, these actions as the um, responsibility of the leaders they're trying to oust. Back in July of 2017, almost two years ago, Mike Pompeo, who was still then the director of the CIA, announced that they were opening a covert CIA office in Venezuela specifically for the purposes of overthrowing the government. They were very, and they do this, they they signal to us what they're going to do, but then it gets swept under the rug and everyone ignores it. So two years ago, almost, this whole process was formally set in place. I mean, we know that there had to be these discussions going on for many months before that, but within weeks, two to three weeks, this Lima group formed in Canada, which consists of all of the nations specifically targeting Venezuela. And it was used a month after that to make this 
official proclamation about the Maduro government making claims that it was illegitimate and that it needed to be replaced. Well, also, weeks after that, it turns out Venezuela stopped selling its oil in U.S. petrodollars. That is an unforgivable sin against, you know, the, the central bankers who are absolutely intent on controlling the world's uh, currencies and financial systems. This was the same move by Assad just before we invaded Syria. It was the same move by Gaddafi before we invaded Libya. Same with Iraq. <clears throat> the list goes on and on and on. Um, Russia also is dropping the petrodollar. So is China. We hear all this warmongering around them, too. That's what this all boils down to. And at yeah, the same time... Simple, it really is very simple because you look just at what happened with Venezuela, you know, in November, or December, when the Bank of England, controlled by the Rothschilds, stole Venezuela's gold bullion that it was holding in trust for the government. <clears throat> they did the same thing. You know, the U.S. stole billions of dollars from Gaddafi using its financial clearinghouse system, SWIFT to which now Russia has built an alternative because so many countries were getting caught in this, you know, network of economic terrorism that the U.S. uses on all these target countries. And it's no coincidence that Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world. And now not only has the U.S. seized the U.S. Venezuela's state-owned oil assets here in the U.S., They've given them to control of the Rothschilds and other banker-owned oil companies based in the U.S. This is an obvious... the United States get away with all this? Can't anybody stop us? Well, we're going to have to stop us. That's the thing. I mean, it's going to be up to us because ultimately, you know, we're the ones who allowed them to get into control. But but the one thing, Evelyn, I will say about this, that is, you know, a, a real game changer, and we can see the desperation in this um, banker class group of people because never before have we been able to expose their, their um, terrorist program in real time the way we are now. And and they're really struggling. If you look at what the statements Mike Pompeo and John Bolton have been making recently, they're utterly incoherent. And all they're able to do is use these buzzwords like they even went so far as to claim that Hezbollah and Hamas are somehow involved in Venezuela. I mean, they, they, it, they, they can't make a coherent argument so they're very much um, desperate. And is, Israel is driving all of this policy. We see while, you know, the news is giving attention to this wall that Trump keeps talking about. In that package is also, you know, $38 billion in cash for Israel as our own veterans go homeless and without health care. And um, there's, you know, this anti-BDS legislation that makes it, so that Americans who dare to advocate the boycott of apartheid Israel will do hard jail time, 10, 
10 years or more, and it's like a $250,000 fine just for criticizing Israel. John Bolton is a dual Israeli citizen. He is also a White House cabinet member. Dozens of our senators and representatives are dual Israeli citizens. I mean, the, the only way around this, what we're seeing to, to move on to sort of the expression of all of this is really the yellow vest protest in France. And what is being buried under all the mainstream propaganda about what's happening in France is that fundamentally what the yellow vests are demanding is a return to self-governance via what they use. It's called citizen referendum. And they refer to it, um, the movement is using a hashtag RIC to represent that. And what a citizen referendum is, is is equivalent to the U.S. ballot initiatives, where it's the citizens themselves who propose the legislation. And then it's the citizens themselves that vote on that legislation. Because you think, ask yourself, who among us, you and me, would ever have introduced legislation to give Israel $38 billion in cash for their military? Who among us would have voted or submitted a piece of legislation to criminalize free speech and, um, and the boycott of Israel for its apartheid and criminal policies? None of yeah, us are there any that, other laws, right? any other laws uh, banning us from criticizing any other country? No, no, not even the U.S. Just Israel. Just Israel. Hmm. Well, that seems and, it and sounds the, like a prison prison profiteering uh, racket to me because uh, oh yeah they'll be locking all of us up. Yep, more money. I'm not shutting up. Well, Israel. No, nobody is. And and that's one of the things we're seeing, the desperation. Chris Hedges does a wonderful interview on RT where he talks about, it's entitled, Israel is desperate and frightened, I believe, or frightened and desperate. And it, it speaks to, you know, pushing through this kind of legislation is a very desperate act when you think about it. Already in the United States, there are half of our states will fire you. If you do, if you're a government employee and refuse to sign an oath to Israel, it has nothing to do with the U.S. or loyalty to the U.S. It's an oath to Israel and not to boycott Israel. A, a teacher was just fired in Texas for refusing to sign this. Half of our states, so this is already in place in half of our states, and and now we're looking at federal legislation. And so these re- this return to the self-governance is really the key. Ireland is now demanding it um, in their yellow vest protest. It's what we need to demand. We need to get rid of these people who these fake representatives who are not even submitting the legislation we want. We want legislation to end the wars. We want legislation right. for health care. We want legislation for affordable education. But that shit never makes it into a vote because these people are, are, are bought by the banker donor class. 
So we need to just get rid of them altogether. There's no need for them whatsoever. We can govern ourselves. And that is fundamentally what this is all about. And, And really, you know, walking away from this federal system that has completely undermined our sovereignty, not only on a state level, but on an individual level. Think of how much your life is regulated when you look at the vaccines and you look at you know, the geoengineering, like, we, we have no control over our lives, the spying, the, you know, on and on and on, the, the poisoning of the foods and the fluoride in the water. I mean, it's right. just, we've been completely hijacked. And when you follow the money, it all goes back to Israel. And this is, you know, just to be very clear, this is not a, a Jewish movement. This is a banker class movement that we, and if that sounds outrageous to people that these bankers would, you know, use subversion and deceit to try and enslave the masses. You can look it up on uh, Counterpunch, did, published an article some years ago about Prescott Bush, George H.W. Bush's father, who was one of the leaders of a banker coup d'etat on FDR that was thwarted by General Smedley Butler. And General Smedley Butler specifically testified that these bankers were hell-bent on enslaving the masses. This was not, this isn't my interpretation. This is the language of someone who thwarted one of these coups. And we have every reason to believe that they were ultimately successful. While they may not have succeeded in that attempt in 1933, they certainly have done so by evidence. You look at the legislation, look at the wars. We are in Syria for Israel. There is a 1983 CIA document on the CIA's own um, library where it's titled Bringing Real Muscle to Bear in Syria, and it specifically references overthrowing the Assad family to benefit Israel. We, Our government has been entirely hijacked, and now Israel is stealing the oil from the Golan Heights, which belong to Syria, and selling it to Genie Energy. Well, who owns Genie Energy? Jacob Rothschilds, Rupert Murdoch, Larry Summers, former CIA director James Wolseley, all the same characters that own Dick the Cheney. media. Dick Cheney. They're the ones who own yeah. the Bank of England. They're the ones who own all the other oil companies. They own PG&E that is now liable for all those fires in California. It is the same handful of families. I don't know if you know how many of them are Jewish or whatever, but it's it's as the Zionism is a political movement by these bankers to control the planet, to loot it and enslave all of us. I mean, that's just the simple. I thought truth. Netanyahu was going to be arrested. That is a really good question because there was <clears throat> earlier in January, there was the final recommendation for indictment. He's been recommended for indictment on three separate corruption cases by his own police chiefs have recommended his indictment. They were, those indictments were supposed to come in the last week or so. They should have already been issued, but there's been no word on it. And I, I don't know what the status of that is, but he's in trouble. He's been forced over Christmas. He was forced to announce the, um, the dissolution of Knesset, which is like the Israeli parliament. 
and mm-hmm. because he had lost his coalition of support. And so uh, he's having to hold snap elections in April, and this all got swept under the rug. It's a very serious matter um, that, that he now has to hold these elections. But um, it's, he's facing, he had his defense minister, his foreign minister, his, uh, and several other ministers resign, and he has not replaced them. The only court decision that's come down recently with respect to Netanyahu that I'm aware of is that he stating that he could not hold all four of those cabinet positions simultaneously in, um, at the same time as he was acting as prime minister. So he gave up the foreign sec- foreign minister role, but he's still defense minister, which is in charge of the military. Right. So, and did we ever hear the outcome of his wife that was on trial? No. Did we ever hear the verdict no. on that? No. No, nothing. <laughs> nothing. And what's going on down in Haiti? There's big protests down there. They're begging Putin to help them to get out from under our yes. occupation, huh? Yes, I, you know, Haiti is one of the most frequent victims of U.S. aggression and theft. And they have a puppet government that was installed by, during the Obama administration with the help of Hillary Clinton, as she did in Honduras and so many other places, in Libya, where they now have a thriving slave market. And Haitian people know why they're you know what the deal is and they've had enough and they've been rioting for two weeks now there have been protesters killed um in france three protesters were run down by a motorist over the weekend and there were some very serious injuries associated with that but in haiti they're protesting the same corruption they're protesting western aggression and this you know banker banker um, terrorism that is destroying Haiti as well. And, and they've, they've had enough, and they recognize that the U.S. is largely responsible for their problems, and that's absolutely true. So, of course, it's getting no airtime on Western no, media. No. <laughs> yeah, I think I see it. I think I only ran into one article about that, and that was, you know, about them. But the, I think I've read where seven people have died. In Haiti? Yeah, it's they're they're it's definitely more than one. I mean, it, it, they're growing increasingly outraged as uh, there was a their um, is it president? I forget their their elected leader, the highest office, um, did a press conference or a, a speech recently in the last week in which he made no acknowledgement whatsoever of the struggle of the Haitian people. And he went on and on and on and, and just no mention of the protest, nothing whatsoever. And that really angered everyone um, even more so. And this is the same thing that's happening in um France. People are just becoming more more outraged. Yet another um, protester had his hand blown off in France over the weekend. Um, you know, they're more and more are blinded. Vanessa Bealy did a great report. She went to France. She witnessed this herself. Dozens have been deliberately blinded. They've had their eyes literally shot out. They've had six or so have had their hands blown off. Um, 
80 or more have been shot in the head in, in where they haven't been blinded. They've suffered disfiguring injuries. A volunteer firefighter and father of three was shot in the back of the head with one of those flashballs by police and is still in an induced coma a month later because of how serious those injuries were. I mean, in Spain, they had tens upon tens of thousands of people out protesting, yellow vest style protests. The news media reported 40,000, but those the people who were at the protest are claiming it was far greater in number than that. And the, and the images suggest it was probably as much as twice that. So um, these, this is really a global movement. I mean, when you see the power of it, you know, just looking at each individual country, including Israel, Israel has their own yellow vest protest against corruption. I mean, yes, yes. So That's and where you know there are people people are protesting for different reasons and and often people are on the opposite sides of the same issue who are protesting but they recognize that the core problem lay with these bankers whatever right. whatever issue you're looking at you can trace it back to the bankers no no matter whether you want a wall or you oppose a wall the problems associated with the wall go back to the bankers every time and people are seeing that so the best part of all and this is probably the scariest part of all for the bankers is where they've depended so heavily on using you know division and violence to divide to keep us from allying with one another it's they've it's totally lost losing its effect and people who are you know, who could be labeled as racist are are allying with Muslims because the Muslims want the war to stop, and the the people who don't like Islam don't want refugees flooding into their country. So they you don't even have to agree, and the refugees are a result of this banker sponsored violence. So right, right. Um, it, it's so, becoming. So you're, so you're saying in Israel that that they have a yellow vest. Too. Are the people in Israel, are they like us in the United States? We don't approve of what our government does, but we can't do There's anything to probably, stop it. Are, are, there, are they in the same mindset? Is, yes, there are, there are a substantial number of Israelis that oppose corruption per se, and they see Netanyahu as corrupt. They feel that their government has gone too far to the extreme, in certain right. ways, and um, but I don't know that they're the majority. They are a large enough number to be noticeable. One of the things that's happening in Israel that's very that most people do not know is that they have an emigration problem. People are leaving Israel because the quality of life is so poor. There's you know they have walls everywhere, wire you know. Um, military everywhere, um, you know, even for the Israelis, it's like they're, they're still living in somewhat of a prison. And even more ironically, Orthodox Jews are fleeing in even larger numbers to places like Iran, where they can more openly practice their faith. In Israel, there's forced military service, which they oppose, and, you know, and how is that democracy? You know, everybody talks about Israel being a democracy. 
and right. they they oppose Zionism. They see they see the occupation of Palestine as um, antithetical to their religious beliefs. They're they're terribly violent toward women, and they'll you know attack women walking alone in the street. But they they very much oppose Zionism as a political movement. So it's a it's really interesting as you get deeper in. You see you know that that you can be utterly opposed to one another on some of these issues. But again, you can lock arms with those very same people against these bankers who are the ones behind all of it. Right, right. Oh, man, this world is such a mess. Such a it mess. is, but, but, yeah, I think there is the ones, to be hopeful. But the, the American taxpayers are the ones funding all this. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, Israel attacking Syria and everything, but look at how much money we give them. Yep. And yep. the same with Saudi Arabia in uh, Yemen. I mean, these are yep. just proxy wars in my mind. We're funding all of them, and we're funding all oh, the terrorists. Yep. yep. I mean, it's just a worldwide, you know, war profiteering scheme run by our government. Yep. Well, you know, I, I, I would say, yeah, it's it's being led it's being led by our government, certainly in terms of the the aggression and the policy and being the the heavyweight, but it's all being directed by this tiny group of people who have bought the influence that they need to completely control policy here. Right. And we see that with Omar Ilan, the or Ilan Omar, the the congresswoman, she actually ended up apologizing for her statements about the the um, APAC lobbying movement. Really? Yeah. You know, when you talk about Zionism, can you briefly explain Zionism to, for the listeners and for me too? What is sure. Zionism? Yeah, Zionism is just sort of, I think it's really just sort of a fancy new name for the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks were this group of bankers, the same name, Schiff, Warburg, Rothschild, Rockefeller, all the same people were behind the um, genocide in Russia. They they wanted, they assassinated Tsar, Nick, uh, was it Nicholas or Alexander, and... Um, and took over Russia. This is the same group of people, and many of them are Jewish or have Jewish mothers, but they don't identify as Jewish. You ask most Zionists who have Jewish ancestry, and they'll say that they're they're agnostic, that they don't really... Netanyahu does not practice Judaism, and you'll find that with many Zionists. They just so happen to be Jewish. The, you, you look in the Catholic Church, too, and you'll see in the Vatican, there are tons of Zionists in there. So I, I think, you know, intentionally, Zionism and Judaism have been conflated because it's easier for the um, bankers to say, oh, racism, anti-Semitism, and whenever they're being criticized for their, you know, aggressive terrorist policy. So Zionism is entirely separate from Judaism, and it's it's specifically a political movement that is designed around subversion and deceit and meant 
to control the world's assets and literally enslave the rest of us. So it's just this handful of families and who are trying to enact policy through political processes that serves their interests. So, and, and that's the, the same us. group that was behind the banker coup in 1933 here in the United States, it, you know, all the way through the Balfour Declaration. The Balfour Declaration is something a lot of people don't know about. And this was in 1917. This was after the assassination of um, the Russian uh, czar and World War One. The British government wrote a letter to Lord Balfour. He had just been, no, Lord Balfour, who had just been made a... Um, a lord recently by the British government, wrote a letter to Jacob Rothschild, Lord Rothschild, giving them Palestine. That was in 1917. And this whole Zionism, Judaism conflation thing is used because that is the basis upon which the whole argument for the state of Israel is. The argument is that because of World War II and the Holocaust and the persecution of Jews, they deserve to have their own land. Well, that whole plan was clearly in process going back to 1917. So it has nothing to do with what happened in World War II, which has also been a, a big lie to us. So, right. um, so you can see if you if you are carefully follow the documentation, the, the Zionist movement predates um, World War II by a long shot, but that's where Americans have been trained to look for justification so that they it evokes these images of Holocaust and genocide so that they naturally would respond favorably to the idea that Israel should exist. Wow. Uh, uh, it's so complicated. I I don't understand it at all. You know, it's politics. It's just a political movement, Ugh. just like any other you know political movement, be it Democrat or Republican or you know anything else. It's just and and the people who are attracted to it are these billionaires because it's a method by which they can influence policy that favors right, them. Right. And in, with our government, you know, all our members of Congress are all invested in this war profiteering scheme. You know, they own, oh, yeah. they own, they own um, weapons factories and all this stuff. You know, they know that they are supplying the terrorists with all the weapons. They're fighting all sides, and that's why our, our people in Congress and stuff, we can't end these wars. That's why you hear it right. when Trump says he's pulling out of Syria and stuff, and they all jump up and start screaming about it but like we shouldn't. That's right. because they're invested and, and, in this war profiteering scheme. They own these factories that make these illegal weapons. They're trafficking. Yep, and they keep funneling, you know, tax money <laughs> to Israel that gets funneled back to them in the form of campaign donations, so that they can stay, sure. they can keep their seats, and so they keep passing legislation that favors Israel, and they keep getting the donations. Right, right. Well, what do you think is going to happen in Venezuela? The U.S. is clearly gearing up for a full-scale military invasion. Well, if any of our order-following troops 
go in there and kill one person in that country, I condemn them to hell. Yeah, I, you know, this will be really interesting to see because, you know, a lot of um, people who are serving in the military now can't claim they don't know. It's, it's, you know, the information, even, even though it's not getting out on mainstream media, it is so easily available now that you, you have to be willfully ignorant. And that is, you know, that makes you responsible for your actions. So I'll be, you know, just like we're seeing all of the evidence of what's going on in Venezuela unfold in front of us in real time, which we've never had before. Right, right. Um, This, it it makes it easier to point. What's that? I said it's horrifying to me to watch this unfold before my very eyes. Yeah, it, it does give us the opportunity, though, to tap someone on the shoulder and say, look, it's happening right now. Just look. And um, I think I think we're going to see I, I, things will unfold in unexpected ways because of that. And I and I, I don't see the U.S. succeeding there any more than they succeeded in Syria, but they can still do a lot of damage. And, and that's wrong, well, yeah. period. We've look killed at what we've five, done to Syria. Yeah, 500 millions of people dead killed and, and yep. millions of refugees having to leave their that country. This is horrifying. Yep. And and we sit here and watch it with our tax dollars. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> it is horrifying. But I, I you know, I I think we're going to have some opportunities this time to to effectively shut this down. Um, in ways we had not in the past. So um, we just got to keep hammering away. It's all we can do. Yeah, because look at the shape of Syria now that we overthrew. What's going on there? Well, I mean, in Libya, I'm sorry, Libya. uh, Libya? Oh, God. It's like has no infrastructure. The U.S. deliberately destroyed all the infrastructure. They have a thriving slave market. Um, all the they stole all of the gold that backed the dinar that um, Gaddafi had introduced. He was he wanted to expand the dinar across the African continent. It was the wealthiest nation on the African continent when the U.S. invaded. Every couple had a home, uh, free health care, free education. Um, they got stipends when a baby was born to the family. Uh, I mean, you know, it really, and all of it was paid with Libya's own oil revenues, which is what right. Venezuela is doing. And that's that's the policy that the U.S. hates because they want to profit off that oil. They don't want it to go to benefit the people of Venezuela or Libya. They want money. Right. They want that the money that can be made from it. Yeah. So uh, we can Libya's swing over here over. Yeah. I said we can swing over here to uh, the latest report out on the abortions. Uh, yes. Forty-two, forty-two million people killed in abortions, and, and as of December thirty-first, two thousand eighteen, there have been some forty-one point nine million abortions performed in the course of a year. World meters revealed. By contrast, eighty-two mil, eight point two million people died from cancer in two thousand eighteen. 5 million from smoking and 1.7 million died of 
HIV or AIDS. So here we are killing off. So it says globally, just under a quarter of all pregnancies, 23% were ended by abortion in 2018. And for every 33 live births, 10 infants were aborted. Oh, wow. It, it wow. World media estimates that 59 million deaths worldwide in 2018, but that number does not include unborn babies or some deaths. Unborn babies are not recognized as human beings, even though biology indicates that they are unique living human beings from the moment of conception. The abortion number is incomprehensible, but each of those 42 million, million abortions represents a living human being whose life was violently destroyed in their mother's womb. In America, just under 1 million babies are aborted every year. An, an estimated 60 million unborn babies have been killed in abortions in the U.S. since Roe versus Wade in 19, was passed in 1973. Well, and two, there's a movement among these um, two philosophers. They're not even uh, trained you know, in the medical profession who are advocating for post-birth abortion. Yeah. So these are babies who are born as yeah. viable babies, full term, whom the mother decides she doesn't want after all. And one of the arguments given by these philosophers is that um, the mother may decide that it's easy, that it's just too hard to give up the baby for abortion, for adoption and choose post-birth abortion instead. Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I can't. I can't imagine how a woman could live with herself. I cannot either. But I. But the the idea I mean, of calling it post birth abortion, it's like no, that's infanticide. That's the definition of infanticide. <laughs> like the they're trying to normalize it, make it seem. And and we see in in um, Belgium already, Evelyn. They are using euthanasia on people who are not um, fatally ill. They, they have chronic conditions but are not, um, not dying. And they're doing this to them. For example, a woman uh, who had dementia was in a hospital where the doctor showed video of her condition to the children, and the children elected euthanasia for their mother with not even having met with her just viewing this video and that's wow. you can do that with children too wow and it, they, well, they yeah. euthanized over 1100 people in the most recent year i saw in Brussels, and belgium is a small country 1100 people right. wow this is scary this, that's where this we're is getting so scary yeah, wow. yeah. And now we're going on with the vaccine business. Um, they're pushing these vaccines, and this is another genocidal method, people. Absolutely. They're poisoning, and they're forcing parents to poison their own children by shooting them up with these toxic vaccines. So now uh, Facebook is saying that Facebook censorship of anti-vaccine movement will backfire. Um, Facebook is considering cutting from their pages any news that undercuts vaccinations, meaning anyone who disagrees with the government about the need to vaccinate kids will see one of their key platforms completely shuttered. Isn't this wow. 
I mean, we wow. can't get the word out. You know, I mean, yeah. Trump. I have a quote here from Trump back in back in um, 2014 before he came to the White House. He said, "If I were president, I would push for proper vaccinations, but would not allow one-time massive shots that are, that a small child cannot take autism." You know, he he knows it. Yeah, that these vaccines yeah. are causing this autism epidemic. So now yep. Facebook well, uh, is going to shut down the exchange of ideas on vaccinations. Good old U.S. of A. free speech, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But um, what? other states are, you know, California was the first one that did that, you know, made a mandatory vaccinations without any exemptions. That's the problem. People can't get out, you know, with any exemptions, get out of vaccination. Right. And the this doctors really won't scary. issue them. Like, no one will accept them anymore either they, because of the liability. It's really infuriating. And I, there was just a recent report out about how, the recent outbreaks of like, you know, all these outbreaks of measles and mumps are among people who have been vaccinated. Right. Not, right. It's not they, even the people who are unvaccinated who are getting sick. So it's just like, how is that the responsibility of the unvaccinated person? You know, I mean, it's, it's just ludicrous, the whole thing. And it's been demonstrated. Well, you just look at what Robert Kennedy sued the Department of Health and Human Services and last year learned through his FOIA request that even though the Department of Health and Human Services had been required by law to conduct surveys, vaccine safety study surveys every two years and submit them to Congress, it had not done a single one in over 30 years since it has been required to, not one. And the number of vaccinations that um, has more, tripled or more since that time. Right. When, and this was when the um, pharmaceutical companies were given immunity from criminal prosecution. Right. So the right. idea they've added all these. A, Go ahead. I was just going to say the notion that, you know, any doctor can claim that these are safe, much, you know, is ludicrous. There is absolutely right, right. no evidence to su- substantiate that. None, right? And the and the thing is too is like now too they give these infants like four shots at a time with all these yep. different vaccines and adjuvants in them, you know. And, well, and they don't have not infants. only yeah, and not only do they not have the safety studies on the individual vaccines, heaven forbid they have any safety data on the combined vaccines. None, exactly. none of that work has ever been studied. Sure. And I, and I say, you know, these whistleblowers have come forward and admitted that it, the CDC knew that these vaccines were causing autism and everything. But I tell them, when they come forward, they're just talking about one vaccine all the time yeah. that was tested and found it. I said, what about all the other vaccines? Yep. You know, they what, why the MMR vaccine. But what yeah. about all the other ones? that haven't been tested. You know, I mean, these reports come out under a testing of one vaccine. What about the 50 injections these kids get before they're five years old? Where's the tests on those? Exactly. You know, and then again, giving them all together like that. Well, and, you know, know, you just, yeah, and the American children are the most vaccinated in the world. And we have the highest infant death rates 
by far. So please explain to me how all these vaccines are making our kids healthier. We also have the highest rate of chronic disease among our children in the world. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's what I tell people. We have the highest priced health care in the whole world. And how is it then? And the most vaccines of any country in the world. How is it then that our kids are the sickest? Yep. Kids of any developed country, you know. Yep. And so now, and I, and I tell people, you know, Robert F. Kennedy's out here, you know, campaigning against these mandatory vaccines. Why would somebody like that do this if he wasn't sure that they were unsafe? You know, why right. would somebody with that reputation and everything step out here and be filing lawsuits against the CDC and stuff? You know, and it's the same with me. You know, I don't have, when I got involved in, in this, in revealing this, uh, vaccines and autism stuff, I didn't have any children. I didn't, I didn't even know anybody with autism or anything, you know. I didn't have any yeah. acts in that fire at all. You know, but it, it, it took me like a week to figure it out that that was what was happening. You know, that people like me and Robert F. Kennedy, we don't have anything to gain from this. Mm-mm. Nobody you know, why are we out here I mean, campaigning against it if it isn't true? Right. You know, yeah, and well, now I and see, our, um, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I see Robert F. Kennedy, too, has found out that uh, the FDA admits that it's recommended untested, unlicensed vaccines for pregnant women, to give them to pregnant women. And there I think he's filed. Recently. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. He filed lawsuit? Yeah. I think so. Um let me see. I'm scanning down the article. But he's very upset because, I mean, the, the labels on those vaccines even say that they haven't been tested in pregnant women. Yep. Yep. And they're sure. urging protect pregnant women to get them. I saw right. there was a report recently that women getting one particular vaccine, a pregnant women were miscarrying at six times the rate of the unvaccinated population. And they, those, um, they deliberately excluded those results because they were considered outside the um, population group that they wanted to study. So they completely right. uh, dismissed all of those miscarriages from the data. Right. Yeah, there was a study done, I think, uh, um, in 2017 by Kaiser of 45,000 women, and it showed an elevated risk of birth defects and a 20 high, 20% higher risk of autism in children whose mother oh received the first trimester flu shot. First trimester wow. flu shot. Yeah, that much. One flu shot. Wow. In the first trimester. Yeah, it had said 7.7 times greater risk of miscarriage than women who did not receive the vaccines. This so is this what is they're doing. recent data, too. Yeah, this is from 2017. Yeah. Forty-five thousand women, mm-hmm. and they're still really the elevated risk of birth defect, and then then the seven times seven greater risk of miscarriage, and then the twenty uh, percent higher risk of autism. Incredible! Oh, geez. yeah, they're poisoning, and this is outright genocide. They're doing. Yep. And the thing is, this is what I don't understand. In these states that pass these laws that force the parents to poison their own children with vaccine, why aren't they impeaching them lawmakers and throwing them off? Throwing them out. We've been successfully neutered. I mean, like Americans just feel completely helpless, I think, against this stuff. 
and and that has to ch- I mean it has definitely has something to do with all the fluoride in the water. <laughs> and, well, that too. And, uh, yeah, that too. Dumbing us down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. um, then uh, Cheryl Atkinson just had a whistleblower on a show on um, on one of her full measure shows. And he's a pediatric neurologist who was once a government witness in vaccine court proceedings, and he testified that vaccines did not cause autism. But now he said um, he's come out and, and he's admitting that he lied. He oh, said that he God. told he told he told um, he told Robert F. Kennedy that uh, back in 2007 that he did he discovered cases where vaccines could cause autism, and he told the lawyers in the vaccine court and everything, and they just ignored it, and then. Then I think they fired him after he came out and and, and said that. Of course, of course. Oh, it's so Kennedy has filed a fraud complaint over the incident and has passed the, an affidavit that this that Dr. Zimmerman had given on the Capitol Hill. And um, and, and Cheryl Atkinson had talked to different lawmakers and everything um, that over the years have tried to bring this up: the vaccines and autism. She talked to. Representative Dan Burton and um, Dr. Dave Weldon, and I was covering um, their reports back in the early 2000s when they were having hearings on this um, vaccines and autism, and they put out a report back then that said that vaccines caused autism. All the way back, I think it was in 2003, and it just goes on. Nothing gets done about it. Nothing stops it. They just keep adding more vaccines to the schedule. Unbelievable. It Unbelievable! Really is. It really is. And Americans so, are so trusting in them. Yeah, and and the th- there's a doctor out in California now that um, that he filed a lawsuit against uh, um, the medical board out in California because he's writing exemptions, you know, for people that not get vaccines, and they'll come after him. So he's filing a, a lawsuit against the medical board because what the medical board does out there, if you file exemptions and they find out, then they go and they take your license away the medical board this is what they're doing to doctors you know that they're trying to save these children yeah this is really scary so anyhow he's spearheading this dr ron kennedy he's spearheading a campaign against the bill become law if something isn't done to stop this legislation where they are forcing the parents to poison their own kids with these vaccines i hope it get somewhere i mean but as we can see like our whole uh, the whole system has been corrupted not you know not just our politicians but our courts and law enforcement and the regulatory agencies i mean all of it has been corrupted it's horrifying it's so rare that anything that's again another reason why we have to just walk away from these these systems that do nothing but exploit us they do not serve right. our interests whatsoever. No, they're blackmailing everybody. I mean, you know, that they won't let you go, your kids go to public schools if you won't poison them with their vaccines. Yep. You know, and, and I think, and, and, and they're doing other things too, like uh, people that are on public health programs and stuff, Medicaid and stuff, they force them um, to yep. poison their own kids or they'll take their, they'll take their health away. This or is really getting children. scary, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they take their health care and stuff away. Yeah, their public benefits. So, I mean, they're using all kinds of ways to blackmail parents and force them to poison their own children with these vaccines. And I'm, I'm sure, that, you know, there are families that are very dependent 
on the Medicaid coverage and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, they'll take your children now, too, if you don't vaccinate yeah. them. Like, especially among the poor families who, who receive aid. They'll just take the children. Right. Yeah, they'll take them right away from them. Yeah. Well, let's swing down here into the into the churches, the business. Uh, big reports out uh, Big reports out this week. Um, you know, we always say that uh, the Catholic Church, you know, that we, it, we see so much out about them, but we don't about the other religions. Well, the big reports out in Texas uh, about... Um, Let's see here. Well, let me look down here. Well, they say that other Christians who are part of the Catholic Church might be tempted to believe that such horrible crimes could never happen in their particular church or denomination. However, the Star-Telegraph in Fort Worth, Texas, has recently published a series of articles covering an eight-month investigation to the independent fundamental Baptist churches across the U.S. showing sexual abuse of children has been rampant and covered up for years. They really they really did a great investigation down there. And um, I'm looking for the titles that have the how many pastors and shit that they found that, you know, have been involved in sex trafficking and, and stuff for years and years. They did it. They did the investigation um, back to 2000 or 1998. So what they came up with, you know, um, that's just in that amount of time. Okay, it says, 20 years, 700 victims, Southern Baptist sexual abuse spreads as leaders resist reforms. And it's the same way, I was reading through these reports, and it is the same way as it is with the Catholic Church. These ministers and church leaders and stuff sexually abuse uh, children and and, uh, parishioners and stuff, and they just move them around. They just move them around from church to church. In all, since 1998, roughly 380 Southern Baptist church leaders and volunteers have faced allegations of sexual misconduct. That that includes those who were convicted, credibly accused, and successfully sued, and those who confessed or resigned. More of them worked in Texas than in any other states. They left behind more than 700 victims. Many of them shunned by their churches, left to themselves to rebuild their lives. Some were urged to forgive their abusers or to get abortions. About 220 offenders have been convicted or took plea deals, and dozens of cases are pending. They were pastors, ministers, youth pastors, Sunday school teachers, deacons, and church volunteers. Man, this is well. It's it's great that you know that we're bringing this out finally, but it's horrifying to read this stuff that has been going on for all these years. Yeah, yeah, and there's you know when you read the stories, there's a lot of discussion <sighs> about what happened. But there's no discussion about what's going to change to prevent it from happening in the future, if you notice. Right. It, and I was reading in these articles that, that, that like, the Catholic Church has the, the Pope and the bishops and stuff to oversee this. Well, this, this religion doesn't. This, this Southern Baptist, whatever they are. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there's nobody over them to oversee any of it. Of course, we've seen in the Catholic Church that, that it hasn't helped much anyhow. Right, they the bishops do. And the yeah, popes <laughs> haven't stopped it, you know. But um, then over at the Vatican, they're in, they're in big trouble too. I'm trying to scan down my notes here. Um, let's see here. They have a they have a big. I think they have a big seminar or something going on right now. But I don't think they are. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, usually what happens, as we saw Kevin Annette has spoken about how when they have these big conferences to address these issues, what they end up doing is just, you know, sussing out who the accusers are, then targeting them to to silence them, you know. And they don't right, even let right. them tell their stories, you know, the truth of the stories in the process. Right, well, it just came out this week that the Pope defrocks ex-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. Of course, he is. Yeah, uh, but he's not going to jail. The guy should be in jail. No. You know? No kidding. Yeah. He's been dismissed from the priesthood after the Vatican found him guilty of sexually abusing minors in a sign of increasingly hardline stance taken by the church. Yeah, right. Oh, hardline? <laughs> That's hardline? Yeah. Give me a break. What a joke. I know it. I know it. And they they really want, um, they well, the good bishops, and I don't understand this Catholic religion, how this hierarchy works, you know, but um, they want it exposed about how the homosexuality has taken over the Vatican. Yeah. You know, and and they don't, they want to stay away from that. You know, now, now the Swiss, there's a Swiss group that uh, launched a global petition asking Catholic, Catholic bishops to stop homosexual networks. Huh. I wonder... Like, that I wonder how you do that. Well, they launched a petition. I'm sure that I've signed it. <laughs> um, oh, here we go. Well, thanks so much. And um, thank you, love. thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my